everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. Even though I am not on wheels today, it's today it's the Wisdom on Couch podcast, because I'm sitting on the couch instead of in my wheelchair. It is good to be with you all today, though, as it is always good to be with you. And um, so today we're going to be continuing our podcast and our, our message from last time which is the profile of the serpent. So, I came up with the very creative title for this, of the profile of the serpent, part two. I know, I'll I'll pause and let you just ponder that great, you know, just that amazing title. I mean, it's, it's 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 all it's almost I mean just listen to me talk it's it's too good for words, right? <laughs> so um, anyway, when we left off last time, I was talking about Matthew chapter twenty-five and verse forty-one. And so, give me a moment to pull that back up on my phone because I want to read that, and I want to kind of start this off where I ended it last time because I was talking about this whole idea of now again this message is a profile of the serpent but this verse I kind of started going on to a a, a related topic with this but I want to go to Matthew uh let's see right there chapter 25 usually comes after 24 most times and then verse 41. Sorry for all the noises on my phone. I will deal with that in a minute. Alright. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Jesus said he will say to those on his left, those are the people that have lived through the tribulation but did not receive him. They, you know, they took the mark of the beast or, or whatever. Um, he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And I started talking last time about how people will say, Well, how could a loving God send someone to hell? Well, how could a, you know, if God loves everyone, how could he send someone to such a terrible place? And I started talking about that last time, and then we ran out of time. I hit the hour mark before I was done. And I'm going to try to keep these at an hour or under from now on, even if I'm in the middle of something. And then we'll just call the next one part two, because I want to be respectful of people's time. And if you're anything like me, you can listen to a good message, be it a sermon or just a message from a layperson for, you know, four or five hours and not get bored. And I hope I'm not boring to where anybody would say, oh, gosh, I can't imagine such a horrible thing. If that's the case, then what are you doing listening? But um, anyway, uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm going to try to be respectful of people's time, and I'll keep it at an hour as best I can. And if I'm in the middle of something like I was this time, I'll just pick up the next time, and we'll call the next part part two. So that's what we're going to do. Um, but I was in the middle of talking about um, answering that question, how could a loving God send someone to hell 
And the point there is that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. If you read that, it wasn't prepared for us. None of God's people were ever supposed to go there. Second Peter 3, 9, he is not willing for any to perish. He doesn't want any of us to perish, but all of us to come to repentance. And so, he, you know, he doesn't want to see any of us go there. So why did Jesus say in Matthew 7, 13 and 14 then, that the road is broad that leads to destruction and many will go that way and the road is narrow that leads to life and only a few will go that way. Well, if that's true, that most people will end up in hell and only a comparatively few will go to heaven, then why? Then how can that be reconciled with Second Peter 3.9, which says that God's not willing that any should perish, but all that come to repentance. So I'm just going to reiterate some of the things that we started talking about last time before I had to start talking really fast and then had to uh, let me turn my sound off here on my phone. I just noticed I'm still doing it. Good grief. This is getting better all the time. Hang on, folks. I'm, I'm trying here. Uh, there we go. I got my Do Not Disturb on, so you know, nobody can bother me while I'm, do <clears throat> I'm doing this. All right. <clears throat> But anyway, um, let me uh, finish what or finish what I started talking about with this back when I was going so fast and trying to get it all in. All right, God doesn't send anyone to hell. It's not His decision. He left that choice up to us. He tells us clearly how to stay out of hell. And then he warns us where we will go if we reject Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and refuse to repent of our sins. That's why Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty seven that by his words you will be or excuse me, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You yourself have said you don't believe in Jesus as the only way. And if you're one of those people that have said that, then your own words condemn you. Besides, all of us are already on the road to hell automatically. According to John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, we're all condemned already because we're born in sin. We're all automatically on that road to hell because we're sinners. And that's why Jesus came, to get us off that road. And as I brought up last time as an example, you know, you wouldn't say, or you shouldn't say, that the leaders of a, uh, wherever you live, uh, if your leaders construct prisons, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing because you don't have to go there. Nobody's forcing you to go to prison. It's your choice. When the first leaders came to America, they didn't have prisons in mind, but only... I mean, they were looking for freedom. It's the opposite of prison. And when God first made the earth and made people, he saw beauty. And he was happy to give it to us. I mean, that's why, you know, remember, remember we studied earlier in Genesis when he said, he talked about how um, everything that he made was very good. He didn't have hell in mind. 
And who is like we just read in Matthew twenty five forty one? Hell was prepared for the devil and his demons or his angels. It wasn't made for us. But if we reject the only way to heaven after we've sinned, there's no other place for the for us to go. Our soul and spirit is eternal because we're made in God's image. Remember, we read that earlier in Genesis also, that we're made in the image of God. We're made in his likeness. Therefore, we are eternal beings. There was a time when we did not exist, but there will never be a time again where we don't exist. And sin must be punished. God is a just God. But he's also love, and so he try, he, he's done all that he can do by taking the punishment of sin on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. But if we reject God's provision for our sins, then we have to take that punishment on ourselves. It's our choice. We condemn ourselves to hell by our own words. God is just and Hell is the justifiable place for someone who rejects the provision of Jesus for our sins. And if you say, well, I don't believe in the Bible, then just know that Revelation 21.8 says that all unbelievers will have their part in the lake of fire. Revelation 20.15 says that whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We've been warned. So on Judgment Day, don't be surprised when he says, Depart from me, you who are cursed into everlasting fire. He says that in Revelation chapter 20, verses 13 and 14. You'll be without excuse because your own words condemn you. You either obey the Heavenly Father and dwell in his house, or you obey the Father of lies, the Father of lies and dwell in his house. The choice is yours. So don't say God isn't loving. I mean, he, he's done all he can do. He is love, and he's also holy. Jesus met the intersection of both of those. Sin has to be punished, so in his holiness, it had to be punished. But he showed his love by taking the punishment for us on the cross. It's the in, the perfect inner the cross is the perfect intersection of God's love and his holiness that must punish sin. So now we're each at the intersection of that place. And what are you going to choose? You got one or the other. There is no in between. And so now we're going to go to John 8.44. Now, uh, Jesus, uh, in John 8.44, Jesus said to some of his detractors here, You are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so, continuing our profile of the serpent here, 
we see that he was a murderer from the beginning. So from the moment he sinned, from the moment Lucifer became Satan, became the devil, he was a murderer from that point on. So if, if we're looking at our profile, and, and that manifests itself in what he inspires his children to do. His children are those who follow him. People say, oh, we're all children of God. If I hear one more pastor say that, that is not true. We are not all children of God. Again, John 1.12. Let's, let's go there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to detour on to John 1.12 for a minute. I wasn't planning on going here. But John 1.12 says, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, being Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who believe in Jesus and accept Jesus, the Father gives them the right to become his children. So what if you don't believe in Jesus and accept Jesus? Then you are of your father the devil. We are not all children of God. There are children of God and there are children of the devil. There's, you know, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. We are one or the other. Going back to Genesis 3, 14, 15. There, are, there is no middle ground. Your children of light or your children of darkness. Your children of God or your children of the devil. There is no in-between and we are not all children of God. I wish we were. Our world would be so much better. But we, we plunged the world into darkness with sin. And we're still doing that today. Look around. But we still have light. We're all, for those of us who truly believe in Christ, for those of us who truly follow him, remember... He said, you are the light of the world. And don't put it under a basket. Don't put it under a bushel. Let it shine forth. Tell the truth. Love people. Tell the truth. Sometimes the truth doesn't sound loving, but it's the most loving thing you can do. If a doctor, is it loving for a doctor to tell, to not tell the cancer patient that he's got cancer? And to just, because it, Gosh, he, he might be hurt by what I'm saying. It might sound harsh. No, he's going to say, look, you got this, and we, we got to cut we gotta cut into you, and we got to get this out, and we got to do this treatment, and it's going to suck, and it's going to hurt, but it's going to save your life. Is it? I, I use this example another time. Is it unloving for the fireman to pound on the door, or to even better kick the door in, and say, you know... Uh, I'm going to get you out of here one way or the other, even if i got to drag you kicking and screaming. No, he's going to drag you kicking and screaming. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't want to see you burn. He's gonna, he, do, he doesn't want to see your flesh consumed in fire and that horrible suffering. He's going to do everything he can, even if he's got to drag you kicking and screaming out of those fires. Well, sometimes a message of truth and love doesn't say, you know, He's not going to lightly, go, again, tap on your door like I used the, in another and just go, Oh, oh, well, sir, I, you know, I don't want to offend you or anything. And I don't want to, you know, I, I would love to take some time to establish a non-confrontational relationship with you so you don't feel put off by me. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to throw caution to the wind. Even if he's got to put up with the end, it's like, no, I've got to, I've got to get my stuff. I've got to, I've got to save this and that. I've got to save my family heirlooms and my computer and my electronics and my pets and my whatever. No, he's going to say, I've got to get you out of here, man. Because that's his job. That's what he's called to do. 
And if we're going to tell the truth, yes, we have to love people enough to say, look, you don't want to go here. You don't want to follow this devil. And then this message, the profile of the serpent part two, he's a murderer. He's a liar. He's always hated the truth, John 8, 44 says. All, you know, all truth is God's truth. And, and I'm not talking about this whole stupid my truth and your truth garbage. It's relativism. There is the truth. There is no my truth and your truth. Anybody who says that is lying to you. They are of their father, the devil, too. I don't care if they can call themselves Christians. If they're saying there's my truth and your truth, they're lying to you. There is only the truth. Follow the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I am a truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me, Jesus said in John 14, 6. Jesus is the truth. There's no truth in the devil. He is the father of lies, Jesus said here in John 8, 44. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So you want to get to know your enemy? You want to profile the serpent? He is a liar. That's why, when you know, if you're watching the news, and uh, or if you're, if you're watching the news, if you're watching anything, if you're watching a TV show, you got to remember that TV show was written by somebody. The actors are playing a role, and the outcomes are determined by the people who are writing them. It's not real life. What's the agenda? Is it, better yet, is the agenda consistent with what the Bible teaches? Is the agenda of a TV show, or a book, or a movie, or a comic book, or a story you read online, or... Whatever you're doing, the agenda of a song even, does it line up with what the Bible says? Well, I don't know. Well, then you better learn. Stay in the Word. If you don't know what the Word says, if you don't know how to discern truth from falsehood, then that's on you. Get in the Bible. It's not like you don't have access to one. With the internet, they're free. I mean, it's free all the time everywhere. There's printed copies of the Bible you can get for free. All you got to do, I guarantee you, you go to any church anywhere and say, I want to get to know the Bible better and, and the God of the Bible. Can I please have one? I, I, I dare you to do that and then have somebody say, oh, they wouldn't give me a Bible. I dare you. If they did, let me know who they are. I'll call them myself and, and, and fuss, them. If fuss at them. You give me their number, their name. I'll confirm your story and whatever. And I'll, and I'll tell them. And, you know, and you, there are all kinds of places that if you can't get a hold of a Bible, they will, they will give you one. There are all kinds of ministries and churches out there that will give you a Bible for free. So if you don't know if something lines up with the truth or not, you know, don't get secondhand feeding from somebody else. Don't just take my word for this either. Read the Bible for yourself. Yes, we have pastors and teachers. Yes, we should listen to those messages as God speaks through them. But they're still people. I'm still a person.
okay? Don't just take my word for everything either. Don't take your pastor's word for everything. Don't take a, a, a newsman's word for everything. Don't take a radio personality's word for everything. Don't take a movement leader, a movement leader's word for everything. Or somebody on the street, whatever. Don't just go to the source. The devil is the father of lies. But Jesus, you know, it says that the law came through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ because he is the truth. You can't get any more truthful than the very embodiment of truth. So who is, you know, again, we're, we're talking about the profile of the serpent. and He is the father of lies. Somebody says two plus two is four. Well, that's a god. That that's the truth. Somebody says two plus two is seven. They're lying to you, okay? Unless you change the definition of seven to make it what four used to be. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, sorry, kind of got sidetracked there. I think, and but anyway, we're talking about the profile of the serpent, and not only is he crafty. He's a liar. He's a constant liar all the time. He is the father of lies. So don't ever expect the truth out of him. If he says anything that sounds true, it's because he's getting ready to mix it with a lie. And that's the most dangerous form of lying when you mix the truth and lies together. It's just like rat poison, you know, that you take food and you mix it with a little bit of poison the rat doesn't know any better eats it and takes it you know and then he dies because the good was mixed with the bad and that's what happens with a lot of messages in religious movements and all that unfortunately and um uh, So now we're going to go to 2 Timothy 2.26. Again, 2 Timothy 2.26. And in 2 Timothy 2.26, it's talking about people who are, um, who are opposed to the truth. And it says that uh, they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. So the devil sets traps. What is a trap? You're going along, minding your own business, not, uh, not really looking around. It, it, a trap is unsuspecting. Any good trap is, it catches people off guard. A good trap gets around a person's defenses. Like I said, you're just walking along, minding your own business, like an animal trap. The animal doesn't walk into the trap knowing it's there. A trap is deceptive. Any good trap is deceptive. You, you don't know it's coming. Or you don't recognize it until it's too late. And it talks about the devil as somebody who holds people captive to get them to do whatever he wants. And, and that's one of the most frustrating things. We've all fallen for it. I've fallen for it a lot in my life. You know, uh, people will say, well... I'm the captain of my soul. I'm the captain of my destiny. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I've sang that song 
Oh, gosh. More times in my life it's gotten me in so much trouble and misery and problems. How many people have fallen to, in, into the devil's trap and have become held captive to do whatever he wants them to do while thinking that they're being their own man or being their own woman or I'm finally doing my own thing. <laughs> no, you're caught in the captive trap of the devil. And, and the paragraph, the, the paragraph this verse is in talks about being gentle um, and gently instructing those who oppose the truth. And hopefully they'll come to their senses and God will change their hearts. So if I'm not, if I've, I'm so passionate by this, I hope I haven't violated this paragraph. And if I have, I apologize. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not, well, I guess in a way I'm trying to, I'm not trying to, like I, I gave the fireman example, I'm just trying to wake some people up. If anybody's listening who needs to be woken up. But if I've done that in a way that's not gentle, then I apologize. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, do that in a way that I'm, yeah. I just, I, I'm, there's so much wrong in the world and there's so much deception everywhere. People are even throwing water on the idea that objective truth even exists. And there's so much deception out there. And I don't want to see people continue to fall for it. Even so many in the church are falling for deception. And I don't want that to keep happening. It's... <sighs> Please, cling to the truth in these times where deception is everywhere. So much stuff that looks like truth isn't. The devil has so many of us entrapped, and we don't even know it. Don't let him hold you captive to do whatever he wants. The profile of the serpent, he sets traps, and he's very cunning. Remember Genesis 3, we read how he's more, he was, he's crafty, more crafty than anything else. Don't, and the moment you think, well, I can't be deceived, well, that's when you're at the most vulnerable position. Once you start, oh, I can't be deceived. I've got it all together. I know this. Watch out. Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment. They were made perfect, and they were in a perfect environment, and they blew it. How much more should we be we who have been tainted by sin, who have the sin nature that we are to crucify every day. How much more do we need to be careful, myself included? Now we're going to go to Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Actually, I'm just going to type in Revelation 20 because we're going to be looking at two passages from Revelation 20. 
It says here, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit. And this is going to happen after the tribulation in the future. In the future, we have the rapture of the church, the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation on earth for all those left behind. And then we've got the th oh, a thousand years. And this is like a whole prophecy thing that's going to, you know, if I start going down this road, man, we I'll be on this for a month and we'll never get through Genesis. So uh, there's a lot of details here and stuff. And I might do my own, uh, I might do a video thing, I'm video teaching on it. I don't know. I, I'm still formulating how to maybe try to do a YouTube study or something or Facebook Live. I don't know. Um and anyway, um, I don't want to think out loud too much on that because I haven't even decided if I'm going to do that yet on, on video or not. But um, anyway, let's go to Revelation 20 here and we're going to look at a couple of passages here. And this is after the tribulation. Um, we have the um, Jesus has returned to set up his kingdom on earth, which will happen in the future. And then one of the things that's going to happen during that time, it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan. So, again, in Genesis 3, some people say, Well, how do you know Satan was the serpent there? Well, Revelation 20, it says right there, That old serpent who is the devil, Satan. So Satan, the devil, and the serpent are one and the same. And, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. Then the angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore. Thank God. <laughs> he threw Satan uh, in there so he could not deceive the, the nations anymore. So what is Satan's number one priority? What's his ministry if you want to call it that it's to deceive it's something that's a theme that we've been seeing as we've been doing this profile of the serpent for the last two podcasts that's the big thing with him is deception 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 and so he's been he's going to be locked he's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit and it will be shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Now, right there, well, why would why would he be released? There's, again, there's, there's reasons for that and stuff and studies there that would take me so far off track of what we're doing with Genesis here that I just, I, I won't be able to do this justice if I get on that. But now we're going to go down to verse 7 and we're going to read to the end of the chapter in verse 10. Oh, excuse me, that's not the end of the chapter. Uh, we're going to go from verses 7 to 10, I should have said. When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations, called Gog and Magog, in every corner of the earth. Again, lots of stuff there that I'm I'm not going to get into, skipping over a lot of details. And but the thing I want to focus in on here is what does he's been in? He's been in the pit for a thousand years. What's the first thing he's going to do when he gets out? Deceive the nations. That's his goal to go out and deceive the nations again. 
a thousand years of punishment in the pit. And he comes out and he goes back to doing the very thing that got him in there. If you're a child of the devil, you don't make no sense. If you're a child of the devil, you act very you act as illogically as he does. So don't be a child of the devil. Come to the light. There's room for all of us. He will gather them together for battle, it says. A mighty army. And this is what his goal has been from all along. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, which, which is what we're studying right now. It's his goal from the very beginning is to, to battle God. To try to form an army to come against God. And he said that the it says that the number of people that are going to be deceived by him are as numberless as the sand on the shore. They've been living in the millennial kingdom, ruled by Jesus Christ, literally, physically on the earth. God's kingdom, which is not of this world, has come to earth to rule this world for a thousand years. And He's still crafty enough that a numberless army, it says, numberless is the sand on the seashore, are going to follow him. Again, that's why I say you're at the biggest danger and the most peril when you go, oh, I've got this all figured out. Oh, I'm not going to be deceived. Well... The best number one, the best way to be to not be deceived is to stay in the Bible, stay connected to the source. He is the vine; we are the branches. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. He says. Jesus says. Jesus is the vine; we are the branches. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. So, the closer you stay to Jesus, and how do you stay close to Jesus? In His Word, in the Bible. Yes, sermons are good. I watch them all the time, every day, many hours a day when I'm doing other things around here. Yes, worship music is good. Yes, all that is good. Stay in the Bible. Number one, most of all. Don't let your relationship with Jesus be secondhand fed to you from other people. Stay in the Bible. Not good enough to just do all those other things. All those other things are good, but they should be additions to your own study of the Word of God. Not just, uh, not just all that stuff by itself. That way you will not be deceived. The very first thing Jesus said when the, the disciples asked him, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? He said, Take heed that no one deceives you. The very first thing he said, and he said that multiple times when talking about the end of the age. He said, don't be deceived. Why would he say that so many times? Remember, we're going through Genesis and we're talking about all this. And I said, whenever you, uh, whenever you read something in Genesis that repeats over and over again, it's being really emphasized. God wants, God wants our attention in all this. Well, you know, that he's, that, excuse me, that he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. <laughs> okay? Okay. 
And so, um, let me see here. Um, I lost my train of thought for a second. I do that sometimes. I apologize. Um, it says, and I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. That would be Jerusalem. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. So this is a war. <laughs> this war didn't last long. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is, this will make shock and awe look like the slowest thing ever. And th this is the ultimate shock and awe, if you remember the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Uh, <laughs> this is the, the, the ultimate shock and awe. You know, the, all the armies are gathering together, ah, oh, we got them now, Rawr! and then it's just, oh, fire from heaven, that's it. Then verse 10, since this is a profile of the serpent. Then the devil, who had deceived them. Again, I want to point out something else there too. People say, well, they can't help it. They're deceived. Or I feel so sorry for them. But yes, I do too. They're deceived. But don't let that just say, oh, well, God's just going to let it slide because they're deceived. They have to take responsibility for their own deception. Well, how can you say that? That's not fair. Somebody's deceived, they couldn't help it. Yes, they can. How can they help it? You stay close to the truth. God hasn't left you blind with no hope. Satan blinds you, but God offers the way out. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. Verse 10, there's three... And during the end times, during the, the tribulation, there's going to be the dragon, which is Satan. The beast, which is the Antichrist, that's Satan's Messiah, for lack of a better word. And the false prophet, which is sort of like the Antichrist, John the Baptist, who goes before him to make the ways crooked, so to speak, to, to kind of put a put a twist, uh, an opposite twist on what John the Baptist said of Jesus. And so the devil, who is the ultimate deceiver, you want a profile of the serpent? Here it is. Here's the best thing I can say about our profile of the serpent. That he, his ultimate end is that he will not go unpunished. He will not go without justice. He will be thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast, the, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And there they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Hell is forever. Gosh, that's harsh. Yes, it is, and it should be. And that's what all of us deserve apart from Christ because we've all sinned. We've all bought into that deception just as our most ancient ancestors did at the very beginning. But God's grace and mercy is so... I mean, it is right there in the person of Jesus Christ and He is alive today. He is alive and He is here with us. He is here. He might be tugging on your heart right now. I hope he is, to come to him 
to receive him, to reject the way of sin once and for all, to admit just admit your sins and come to him and he'll cleanse you. And he'll give you a new heart with new desires so that you won't want to do that stuff anymore. Yeah, that doesn't mean that Christians don't sin. Sometimes, you know, people screw up and they do dumb stuff. Some people, you know, still struggle with things. You know, it's, it's a daily spiritual battle. But, he'll give you a new heart with new desires. Whereas right now you're a slave to sin if you don't belong to Christ. You don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. You have, when you come to Christ, God gives you his Holy Spirit to come live inside of you. And he's like your divine tag team partner. I love WWE. He's like a divine tag team partner that will come in and he, he's got your back. He'll, he'll help you through this. But you got to let him in. Right there. Again, the profile of the serpent. The greatest thing I can say about his profile is that he doesn't have much to look forward to. And I think that's why Satan, he's convinced so many people that Revelation is just too hard to understand. Oh, that's just too complicated for me. Or, oh, that's too controversial. Or, oh, people don't want to hear that. Oh, that's going to turn people away. No, it's just the opposite. Why? You know, you know why Satan comes against the book of Revelation? Here, let me give you... Let me give you something here. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Revelation 1, 3. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This book of the Bible has a special blessing promised to it. All the Bible is a blessing, but there's an extra special blessing promised to the people who read it and the people who listen to it. Revelation 1.1, back up two verses. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, or in the Greek it can also say the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, I thought Jesus was revealed in the four Gospels. Yes, he was. His ministry, his earthly ministry, he came and he had a specific purpose. As the suffering servant, to serve us, to teach us the way of the kingdom, and to die on our behalf so that we could have an opportunity to enter that kingdom if we choose. But, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ as he will be when he returns. He's not coming back as the suffering servant. He's coming back as the king of kings and lord of lords who will conquer all of his enemies. He will come in justice and holiness and righteousness. That's the Jesus Christ who's coming back. It's the Jesus Christ who says, with sorrow in his heart, yes, but depart from me. I never knew you to the workers of iniquity, to all those who were false prophets and all those who thought they were on the, the narrow path and weren't, who were deceived. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. That's the Jesus that's coming back. But it's also the Jesus, it's the same Jesus right now that is so full of love. And he's desperate for all of us to come to him because he doesn't want any of us to perish or any you know he wants us all to come to repentance he doesn't want to see any of the ones made in his image to go to spend eternity apart from him
So please don't let that happen to you. Again, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know when they're going to hear this. It might be years from now. I don't know. It might be months from now. It might be today. But please, if you if this applies to you, please, please, please come to Jesus now while you still can. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And again, no one comes to the Father but by Him. Okay, now we're going to go to Daniel chapter 10 and verses 1 through, or excuse me, Daniel 10, 1 through 11, 1. That's what we're going to do. Um, I don't know if I'm going to read that whole thing. I might not. Um, I think that's a pretty long chapter if I remember right. Um, hang on one minute. Let me go through this and see if I really want to. Okay, you can read that on, oh, well, I don't know. Okay, let's go ahead and, Daniel 10, 1 through 11, uh, 1. It says here, In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, uh, yeah, right, I'll try in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, we'll go with that, had another vision. I like Daniel better. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When the vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food. No meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, so I guess he stank. <laughs> but uh, anyway, on April 23rd, it's in Hebrew, that's, I'm reading from the New Living Translation when I said on April 23rd. So in Hebrew it says, on the 24th day of the first month of the ancient Hebrew lunar calendar. And this date in the book of Daniel can be cross-checked with dates in surviving Persian records and can be related accurately to our modern calendar. So this event occurred on April 23rd, 536 B.C. So on April 23rd, 536 B.C., as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, Daniel wrote, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. To read the book of Revelation, you know, see some parallels there. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. Hmm. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. I could make a comment there, but I'm... Hmm. <laughs> oh, what the heck. I bet they were all wearing masks while they went away to hide. But anyway, <laughs> okay.
My, my strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, Daniel wrote, and I felt very weak. <laughs> I'm really resisting going on with that joke here as I keep reading. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. And just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. It'd be great to hear that, wouldn't it? So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia came to block my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with, with the spirit of the prince with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In Hebrew, that's the chief princes. That would be the archangels, the chief princes. And uh, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, as in one Greek version, the Hebrew reads, and I was left there with the kings of Persia. But the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, there's, a, there's an important principle here I want you to see with this. But I'm going to keep reading to the end. It says, Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. It's a vision of the last days that haven't happened yet. It's still, it's still future, even in our time. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen. My Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. He is the vine, we are the branches. You want to be strong? Stay connected to the vine. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. I want to say that to anybody who's listening today. This is straight from the Lord. You are very precious you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger. See what happens? I mean, he's right there in the word of God, you're precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong and it makes him stronger. See what happens when we stay connected to the source? When we stay connected to God, we get stronger. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. 
He replied, Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that the spirit prince, spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your, your spirit prince. I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. So that's Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 through Daniel chapter 11, verse 1. Okay? Now, Daniel 10, 1 through 11, 1 makes it clear that there, angelic that there are angelic powers behind earthly rulers. So remember, remember that in Ephesians 6 when Paul said, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rulers of darkness in the high places or in the heavenly realms. Behind earthly rulers, there are angelic princes. And by the way, some of them are dark. The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, the spirit prince of the kingdom of wherever, the spirit, uh, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece. What about the spirit prince here in the United States? Or Canada, or Mexico, or North Korea, or pick a place where you live if you don't live in the United States. The spirit prince of the Philippines. Okay, well who's in charge there? Is it God or is it the kingdom of darkness? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. There are angelic powers behind earthly rulers. Many believe that Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 11 to 19 refers to Satan as the king of Tyre. The unseen ruler behind the leader, the prince of Tyre, mentioned in Ezekiel 28 1 through 10. So, and if that's so, and I don't know if I have time to read that whole passage today from Ezekiel 28, but if that's so, then it gives us insight into Satan's origin and status before he actually became the enemy of God, and thus the enemy of man. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to try to read this, and I might come back to it uh, to, and read more on the next podcast, because I've got about five, a little over five minutes left of time here, but we're going to try to go through this. But the reason why I read that Daniel passage to you is to show you that there are there's a, we're not just living in a physical world. There's a spiritual world that exists in, in conjunction with our physical world that affects what happens in our physical world. And that's why Ephesians 6, uh, I mentioned that twice. Let me type it in. We'll read it. Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. Are there some mighty powers in this dark world? You bet there are, and they aren't human. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's why prayer is so important. 
Again, I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody else here. I need to pray more. I need to pray more against these things rather than just railing against them on Facebook and Twitter all the time, even though that's good and we should, I mean, we should do that. We should point out sin where it is. We should expose darkness where it is and the people who follow it. We should expose the children of the devil, yes, but our ultimate battle is against flesh and blood enemies. It's not against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're not fighting against flesh and blood primarily, even though we're part of the battle, yes, but and we and sometimes we have to come against things that are wrong. And against people that are sinning and against children of the devil. But our ultimate battle is against the, the, the beings behind them. The beings pulling the strings, so to speak. Okay, I've got four minutes. I'm going to try to get through this Ezekiel thing. 28, Ezekiel 28, 1 through 19. So we'll see how we do here. Okay, this is about the king of Tyre, right? Then the message came to me from the Lord, Ezekiel wrote, Son of man, give the prince of Tyre this message from the sovereign Lord. In your great pride you claim, I am a God. I sit on a divine throne in the heart of the sea. But you are only a man, not a God. Though you boast you are a God. That's a, I mean, what did Satan say in Genesis 3, what we've been studying He's following the same deception that Adam and Eve are for. God doesn't want you to eat that fruit because you're going to be like him. It's the same thing. Still doing that today. There's whole churches, if you want to call them that. There's whole religious systems that teach that if you just, if you're good enough, if you're a good enough follower of their religion, you'll become a god of your own world. <laughs> anyway, it's the same lie, just repackaged over and over again for different generations. Continuing to read verse 3. You regard yourself as wiser than Daniel, referring to the king of Tyre, and think no secret is hidden from you. With your wisdom and understanding, you have amassed great wealth, gold, silver for your treasuries. Yes, your wisdom has made you very rich, and your riches have made you very proud. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because you think you are as wise as a god, I will now bring against you a foreign army. If you start thinking you're that good, oh boy, you better watch out. I will bring against you a foreign army, the terror of the nations. They will draw their swords against your marvelous wisdom and defile your splendor. They will bring you down to the pit, and you will die in the heart of the sea, pierced with many wounds. I don't want to go down to no pit. Do you? Verse 9, will you then boast, I am a God, to those who kill you? To them you will be no God, but merely a man. You will die like an outcast at the hands of foreigners. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Now, watch how this changes. Okay, This is the king of Tyre. He was talking about an actual human king. But now the message shifts. Then this further message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Look how this switches now. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. Who's that talking about? You were in Eden, the garden of God. The king of Tyre wasn't there. We've read all about the garden of Eden. The, the king of Tyre wasn't there. This is now talking about the spirit prince behind the prince. Who's the spirit prince behind the king of Tyre? Satan himself. See how this switches? 
You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. So Lucifer was in the garden before he ever sinned. Red, carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue green beryl, onyx green jasper, blue lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. I've got 12 seconds before the hour hits. I hate to stop this here because this is so good, but I'll pick this back up where we ended tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you for listening.